0: With the 13th pick in the NFL Draft,
1: the Philadelphia Eagles select.
2: You're listening to the Journey to the
1: Draft podcast, presented by AAA. Every athlete
2: has a journey. Focus on the game. Let us worry about getting you there. Auto repair, roadside assistance, and auto insurance start your journey at AAA.com. Day two of our Senior Bowl coverage is just about in the books. Hi, everyone. I am Alex Smith, joined by Fran Duffy. We are coming to you from Mobile, Alabama, uh, at Radio Row here at the Players Hotel. Uh, Fran, I got a bone to pick with you. I got to be honest. Oh, here. no. Here I we go. I have a little complaint that I have to give you for, all right, uh, let's do for it. the day today. Yes. Months ago, when we started really planning out these trips and you know, we figured out that I'd be the one to be coming down here with you, Right. you promised me you know, we could see all these prospects, and we get this great weather. We're going to St. Pete. we're going to mobile it's going to be a good time bring some sunscreen and it's just it's been miserable weather for the majority of these two trips
0: you know alex obviously look you and you know you've you've now experienced this this is your second trip with me you know that i try to plan out as much as humanly possible
2: it's true you are very very detailed you're very thorough and i appreciate it very much
0: i can only control so much I can't control the weather. You've got to be able put in a as, word with as, somebody here. <laughs> as much as as much as much I'd like to. You've been uh, the coming weather here for has years. Can't you talk to Phil Savage yeah. and get him
2: to do something about but this? Uh,
0: the the strings I can pull only only reach so far. Oh, well. And the weather definitely has not cooperated. Hopefully it will be a little better on uh, on Wednesday another, or Thursday now.
2: An- another chilly day. And I know people at home are probably thinking it. you don't have a lot to complain about. You're watching football. And, you know, it's true. I'm having a great time. I'm really enjoying this. Uh, my first experience down here. Just seeing everybody, and just you know, seeing how the sausage gets made—in other words, seeing sure. all the people down here and how much goes into it, uh, and what the city of Mobile does for the Senior Bowl—it's really, really incredible. But uh, yeah, that weather, another cold day, but uh, I think I will survive. Anyway, we have a jam-packed edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA today. Uh, we'll get into a couple of uh, our draft. We'll get into draft buzz where we have a couple of uh, draft uh, items that we'll get into. Uh, Mister Relevant, will have uh, with Tony Pauline from DraftInsider.net as he will give his day two recap which players stood out uh, at the stadium today. Pick six, we'll talk about which players, in our opinions, Fran, have really increased their stock over the first two days of practice. Uh, We have an unofficial visit with one of those players from the pick six segment as well. And then as usual, we'll go on the clock and uh, we'll dig into our draft mailbag. So ready to go? We are ready. Let's get this going. Let's jump right into it with Draft Buzz. Now it's time for Draft Buzz. All right, first order of business here in Draft Buzz, Fran, is a little bit of housekeeping. A couple players have had to drop out of the Senior Bowl due to injuries, and we have had some replacements. Arkansas State tight end Darian Griswold, a guy that we saw. At the Shrine game in St. Pete last week, he is now here. He replaces tight end Jake McGee from Florida with an injury. And then linebackers Josh Perry and Connor McGovern uh, are also out this week. So three players out. We do get Griswold back in. So a little bit of a change up there in the roster.
0: Yeah, a little bit of a change. We saw Griswold last week, so we'll get a chance to see even more of him now. That makes what now, three players that we saw at the Shrine game now here at the Senior Bowl in Mobile with Griswold, Graham Glasgow, of course, the standout lineman from Michigan, and then the wide receiver Tajay Sharp, a a personal favorite of yours uh, from UMass now that we see down here. But uh, another opportunity for Griswold to, to show his stuff in front of NFL talent evaluators and uh, it's tough losing some of these guys. I know you were excited to see Jake McGee. Yeah, I really was, hey. especially
2: after the weigh-ins too, 6'5", 252. Sure. Uh, I thought that he could have been a, a really interesting prospect to keep an eye on. But, hey, it means that we get to see a little bit more of Darian Griswold, who did show some pretty nice things at the Shrine game last week. Uh, and it's cool to see some of the Shrine game guys get the bump up here. Graham Glasgow's the guy you just mentioned. I think he's had a really solid week. Here at the Senior Bowl, even with that increased talent level that he's going up against, oh, well, there was
0: the play. You and I both were watching. It was a nine-on-seven drill, and we were watching. It was a. It, the nine-on-seven is a, a very run-oriented period. It's a. It's the receivers and DBs are pretty much taken out, and it's all about the offensive line against the defensive front seven. And there was a double team between Spencer Drango at left guard and Graham Glasgow on the nose tackle from Clemson, DJ Reader. They got great movement at the point of attack. Drango pulled off, so it was just Glasgow against Reader and Glasgow just, just finished Reader into the dirt. Uh, it was great to see him get after because it. It, it had been a little bit, it was up, so up and down moments for Glasgow throughout the week, but it was good to see him
2: get after it this morning. All right. Next item of business here in Draft Buzz, uh, Fran. This one probably wasn't, won't be much of a surprise to you. Uh, our our friend, the NFL media analyst Mike Mayock from NFL Network, says that Alabama linebacker Reggie Radlin will be an immediate NFL starter. He's a huge. He's quote. I'm a huge fan of Reggie Ragland. Uh, this is a guy that you've been a big fan all along. So now he has just another endorsement, but coming from a pretty good source in Mike Mayock.
0: Yeah, and I actually talked with Mike about him, I want to say, back in uh, October or November. And when I got that validation, it, it's always great because so sometimes some of these big Obviously, obviously Mayock is, is the best out there in terms of his talent evaluations and the work that he puts in. Uh, it's unparalleled. And so, Getting a, that kind of evaluation from, from Mike Mayock to say you're going to be an immediate starter, that's great for Reggie Ragland. He's obviously one of the more talked-about prospects down here in Mobile, trying to show his wares here uh, on this Jacksonville coaching staff. Really, really uh, interesting prospect moving forward, and a guy that I think I agree with Mike. I think he's a day-one starter. We'll see if he ends up going top 20. I think he belongs in that discussion.
2: Whether or not he ends up there will be very interesting to watch. We will have to wait and see. So Raglan, one of the most talked about guys here in Mobile. Fran, another one of the most talked about guys has been Braxton Miller from Ohio State. Uh, And apparently he's been modeling his game after Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver Antonio Brown, who's one of the best wide receivers in the NFL. Miller's only been playing wide receiver for a little bit, but you have to be impressed by what you see from him.
0: Yeah, and we always knew he was a great athlete, and that's always been apparent from the very moment that he stepped on the field in Columbus. But really what's what has surprised me over the course of the last, I uh, will say, eight months or so is how quickly he has taken to the wide receiver position. And you see not just the athleticism, not just the, the speed and the quickness and the, the suddenness that obviously Antonio Brown has as well, but almost the subtleties that you see. And I remember I was doing, we were doing a play-by-play segment, myself and Tony Pauline earlier uh, this morning, looking at the, that North team. It was a one-on-one drill, and he showed great separation quickness at the top of the route, just a, a little subtle move at the very top of his stem to gain separation on Eric Murray, the corner from Minnesota, and he separated. And then it, Once he gets that little sliver sliver of separation, he pulls away in the open field, and he made the catch over the middle of the field. Uh, really just such an impressive player. He plays the ball so well in the air. I'm really excited about Braxton Miller. You know, I think that coming into the week, I thought, okay, you know, I think that he's probably like a third-round pick because hasn't played much receiver. Obviously, he's got the great athlete. You're kind of betting on that upside. He's a great kid as well. I think he's shown to be one of the best receivers down here. It would not surprise
2: me to see him go higher than that. But what does he have to do better? He can't just come in, you know, in one year as a wide receiver and be this perfect wide receiver. From what you've seen either on film or now that you've gotten a chance to watch him up close in person, what does Braxton Miller have to do better as a wide receiver?
0: Well, I think that there's still a lot of refinement. And when I say that he's shown the ability to be good at the top of his route and he's shown the ability to play the ball in the air, I guess you got to take it into a context and say, look, if you're you not comparing him, you're not saying that he is where Amari Cooper was last year at this you know, That's what made Amari Cooper so good. Obviously, athletically, he was solid. He wasn't necessarily a huge deep threat, but he was so good at using his technique to create separation and, to see Braxton Miller show flashes of that at such early stages of his wide receiver career is very, very impressive. So you just want to see more consistency. I think he's got to get better as a blocker. And there's, so there's some little things in terms of his releases, especially against
2: press coverage, that he'll continue to prove himself
0: in those areas. But uh, th- those are the areas
2: where you want to see him improve. Yeah, and Braxton Miller was just one of a number of players Who stood out to our Mr. Relevant, and that's Tony Pauline of DraftInsider.net. So now let's go to the interview that I did with Tony earlier today as he recapped the standout players from day two here at the Senior Bowl. It's time for Mr. Relevant. It is now time for our Day 2 recap of all the action here at the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. I am Alex Smith. Joining me is Tony Pauline of DraftInsider.net. Tony, we had some wet, sloppy, cold conditions today, but some players did still manage to stand out. Sheldon Rankins from Louisville was one of them.
1: It's football weather is what we saw today in Alabama, and Sheldon Rankins was terrific. Hands down the best defensive lineman of both teams. He was absolutely dominant. Uh, went through a, a series where there's a handful of snaps where he just was running by people, ran over them. I mean, really had a day where if he continues to capitalize on it tomorrow, will greatly enhance his draft stock.
2: How about another defensive lineman, uh, Noah Spence? Small school guy, but he's come through in a big way.
1: Yeah, former Ohio State transfer. Uh, Had some problems at Ohio State and had to transfer to Eastern Kentucky. Really showed flashes of that dominance that he played to in 2013 when he was with the Buckeyes. Uh, Really best standing up over tackles, a pass rusher, uses his hands well. A couple times he beat uh, LeRaven Clark of Texas Tech, the highly rated offensive tackle around the edge, not only rushing the passer but against the run. Very athletic, very explosive. I mean, here's a guy who's got first-round playing potential, the only thing about him, and we're not going to find out, is how do teams perceive his his interviews about his past issues. Switching over to the offensive side of the ball, Tony, one of the players that has really caught my eyes in the first two days is Kenyon Drake, the running back from Alabama, can do a lot of things pretty well. What did you see from him today? You know, on that slippery field that you talked about, great quickness, great speed, beat defenders around the perimeter, broke off several long runs on the outside as well as the inside, caught the ball well. I don't think he's a feature runner, but he's really establishing himself as a mid-round pick for. A team that wants that third down type of back the situational type of back really shown the ability to do it all high character guy very athletic, very productive.
2: How about on the offensive line, another guy who could fit that mid-round type guy, uh, type player, Joe Dahl, an interesting looking prospect yeah. out of Washington State.
1: College left tackles, moved into guard, did very well, looks very athletic. I think what I really liked about him is his ability to adjust and really recover, where it looks like he's going to be beat. He's able to change his body to square up into the defender and get him out of the play. I thought Dahl had a terrific day today.
2: And one of our final players that we're going to talk about here, Darian Thompson, the safety out of Boise State. He did some uh, a lot of things really well in the secondary. Today. Yeah, exactly.
1: Not only against the run, but the pass. Showed himself to be a complete safety. I mean, most of the defensive back play so far has been rather mediocre. Thompson has shown himself to really be on the positive side on almost every snap. Very good in coverage in coverage drills, uh, covering the tight ends and the backs forceful against the run, in scrimmage, covers a lot of area. Not just a downhill safety guy who goes sideline to sideline, get out to the flanks and make plays.
2: And let's close things out here by talking about a player who has really impressed in both days here, Braxton Miller from Ohio State.
1: Coming into the senior ball, I rated Braxton Miller as a mid-third round choice. He's jumped into the early part of round two. Basically, he's taken to a duck-like water, uh, playing the receiver position and making NFL-type of routes, making NFL-type of catches, because that's what you do here. Uh, the, the ability to double-cut, the way he uses his hands to separate from defenders. I mean, he's answered every call. He's done a great job of it, and as we said, with basically brand-new quarterbacks. I mean, this is the first time he's had the Carson Wentz and all these other sure. guys throwing the ball, so uh, he's had just a tremendous week. Uh, improved uh, today, in the second day of practice, from what was a phenomenal first day yesterday.
2: He is Tony Pauline of DraftInsider.net. I'm Alex Smith, and for continuing coverage here from Mobile, Alabama at the 2016 Senior Bowl, stay right here on PhiladelphiaEagles.com.
1: Now it's time for Pick 6.
2: Moving right along here on the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. I'm Alex Smith alongside from Fran Duffy, and I want to take a quick segment quick second here to thank everyone for listening whether it's on itunes stitcher however it is that you listen to your eagles podcast we thank you for downloading we thank you for listening be sure to rate comment subscribe hit us up on twitter let us know uh however you can what you like about the show what you think we could do better uh and what you'd like to see moving forward but fran it is now time for pick six and for today i thought that we would go through six players who have increased their stock the most in the two days that we've been able to see them up close and in person. Uh, And my first guy, I know that you've been pretty high on this player for a long time, but it's Eastern Kentucky defensive end Noah Spence. Uh, six foot two, two 254 pounds. And I didn't really know that much about him since he came from a, a bit of a smaller school. But he's just been tearing it up these first couple days. He's shown uh, an impressive array of different pass rush moves that he can have. Uh, and he's taken a number of different offensive linemen and, and really shown his skills. Uh, I know you were able to catch up with him and speak to him for a little bit as well. But uh, Noah Spence is a really interesting guy. And I think for a smaller school a smaller school guy like Spence, this is a huge event. And he's really shined in the first two days.
0: Yeah, no question. Question about it. And you, you mentioned I got a chance to talk to him. He was born in Philly, moved out to Harrisburg, so he, he's an Eagles fan growing up. Uh, mentioned how much he loved watching Trent Cole and his relentless na- nature as a pass rusher and how he really tries to model some of that yeah, in what that he does. Role, yeah, no question. And he certainly looks the part. I mean, six-two and a and 255 pounds, a really intriguing player, and he certainly looks the part of an NFL pass rusher. Uh, and I, I agree with everything you just said. I mean, the, the ability to attack offensive lineman with a number of different moves was something that really impressed me because when I watched him when he was at Ohio State remember he was a big time recruit going to Ohio State had to transfer out because of off the field issues I thought he was kind of a one trick pony he really started to develop a lot of of areas of his game later in his career and attacking using his hands better and attacking offensive linemen in a variety of ways is certainly one of the areas where he's improved the first guy I'm going to go with Matt Ioannidis from Temple, you know, six three and a half, 303 pounds, bigger than a lot of people thought he was going to measure in at. So right off the bat, he had a plus. He dominated from the very first practice. Uh, another had another disruptive day today. I think that he's shown the ability to be a penetrating defensive tackle. We knew that how he could disrupt, how disruptive he could be at the point of attack as a three technique gap penetrating defensive tackle. And I think Ioannidis has shown that he has the ability to stick with some of the best players in this draft class on the offensive line. He's shown the ability to be very dominant in a lot of different areas. He's been unblockable at times. The question will be, you know, where, where will he go in this draft? Tony Pauline, DraftInsider.net, our buddy, we just heard from him, Mr. Elevent, thinks he could slide into day two. So you could see Matt Ioannidis wow, from really? Temple be a second or third round pick.
2: Where does he fit best in a defense? What scheme fits him best?
0: I, I think he's a 4-3 three technique i think that's his best bet now you know he came in bigger than a lot of people thought i think that no one no one was really expecting him to come in at 303 pounds so the fact that he came in at that weight and he still shows the ability to have that quickness that burst off the line of scrimmage uh, and get into the opposing backfield is impressive
2: all right for my next player here i'm going to go into the defensive secondary and i want to go with another small school guy william and mary safety deandre houston carson we saw him at the weigh-ins uh Measured pretty well at some uh, some long arms. Six, he's measured at six foot, 197 pounds, and, and he hasn't made any plays that we've really looked at and said, "Wow, like that's that's a great play." But he just seems like a very consistent player in the secondary who flashes some good things here or there, uh, showing a good ability to cover you know both sides of the field uh, as that over the top safety. Uh, has you know he's been a really good player at the FCS level for the last couple of years, uh, and I think he's done a lot to kind of get his name out there here in Mobile.
0: Yeah, and I think that he was one of the guys I was most excited to see coming down here, and I agree, he hasn't made any flashy plays yet, but there were a couple times where I thought he recovered well on the back end, whether it was in team or in one-on-one drills. Maybe he didn't make the interception, but showed the ability to have that recovery speed. He's a former corner, so he knows what he's doing on the back end. Uh, and I'm going to go with another small school player, another small school defensive back, James Bradbury from Samford, he's got, he's got good size. He's 6'1", 209 pounds, and I think he does a really good job at the line of scrimmage. And he did a really good job today in those press situations, disrupting early in the down. He got one receiver on the ground with his jam at the line of scrimmage. So a really impressive player that I think the arrow is certainly pointing up with him.
2: Uh, Bradbury's had a good week. And for my last player here, it's another guy in the secondary. It's a guy from your neck of the woods, Fran. Uh, another Temple guy. Cornerback Tavon Young. There we you go. Uh, when we first saw him at the weigh-ins, I thought he, 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 lo- he measured it a little small. He's five 5'9 nine and a half, 180 pounds. But he's really shown uh, in the past couple days of practices this week that his size really isn't an issue, and he's shown some really good cover skills, uh, both in press coverage and backing off. He's played a lot of nickel. We've seen him play the slot here. Uh, and that could be an interesting fit for him at the next level uh, I like what I've seen from Tavon young I know you've watched him more than I have uh, but just from the first couple days that I've seen him here I think he's shown that he can do a lot despite his uh, smaller frame
0: yeah certainly has the quickness I think he's got really clean feet uh, and I think he's got the ability to hit pocket with receivers down the field in man coverage and he doesn't have great size like you mentioned he's subs he's sub 510 he's only 180 pounds but with the ability to play inside and outside I think he's got he offers some value and if he can show that he can play special teams to the next level that will only help his cause Absolutely. so uh, I like the Tavon Young pick to, to close this out I'm going to go with a guy that I was really excited to see his frame is outstanding and that's LaRaven Clark from Texas Tech he's 6'5 and just over 6'5 half, three hundred and twelve 312 pounds his hands are almost 11 inches 10 and 7 eighths inches 36 and a quarter inch arms 85 and 7 eighths inch wingspan and all three of those numbers the hand size the arm length and the wingspan would be in the top 90 percentile of all offensive tackles drafted in the last five years he's a ginormous human being (laughs) uh, shows ability to protect the edge I think he's had a good week of practice. He still needs some refinement. There are certain times where I think he has some lapses in technique, but definitely a guy that uh, is a moldable ball of clay for an offensive line coach that likes to develop those kinds of players. I think he offers a lot of versatility. And for that size, he's actually a pretty good athlete too. And I remember, what what was the one thing I said to you? Alex and I, we split up for about 40 minutes or so today during Mm -hmm. practice. I came over, and one of the first things I said to you was... Laraven Clark. There's no way Laraven Clark is falling oh, into the day three <laughs> of the draft. I really think that this guy's going to go, probably day two. I don't know if he'll slide all the way up to round one, but I think he's going to be a day two pick because of his upside, his size, and that combination of size and athleticism. I
2: think is is really impressive. You, you can't quiz me and put me on the spot like that because my brain was halfway frozen from sitting in the bleachers. <laughs> Plus, I had Tony to Pauline. I had Tony Pauline just chirping at me the whole time. Yep. He left me alone with him up there. Uh, it was certainly an interesting time. Listen, up there I had to throw bleachers. you right in the
0: fire. I'm not going to just you know <laughs> babysit you while you sit here with Tony. Like
2: I, I got to throw you into the fire with him for a little uh, bit. Well, I think you just called the Raven Clark a ginormous human being. I did. And you would know better than most because you were able to catch up with him and interview him one on one, up close and in person. So here's your interview from earlier today with offensive tackle LaRaven Raven Clark.
1: The unofficial visit. Here
0: now with Texas Tech offensive lineman LaRaven Clark and LaRaven, I don't know that our lens is big enough right now to capture Obviously, you're one of the bigger offensive linemen here at the Senior Bowl. Can you just talk about, for those who haven't yet seen you play, how do you use that size to your advantage?
3: Even more so just being, using my size and being athletic more so.
0: And then uh, based off your feedback from scouts, what is one area you want to improve on throughout the draft process?
3: Just trying to show that I can come out of three-point snaps. Most guys kind of have concerns since we played in the spread offense at Texas Tech and spread it out and threw the ball around. It's more want to see me get down in three point stance and be able to play from that position.
0: Well, what's the biggest challenge in trying to make that transition?
3: It hasn't really been any for me. I mean, I feel good coming out of my three point stance and all that. I mean, just coming out of the ball That's all it is.
0: And you have, you have that versatility. You played tackle, you played guard uh, earlier in your career. What is the difference, really? What's the biggest difference you see moving forward between those two positions? Do you think you can play inside at the next level as well?
3: Definitely. I think I'm playing inside. So I mean, I don't see a big problem happening with that. Just tighten up my sets more so. Just things happen a little bit quicker inside. I don't have a problem with adjusting to that. And then
0: a lot of talented pass rushers in the Big 12. Who'd you say is the best player you went up against your senior year?
3: Probably Eric Stryker or Agba from OSU He's a pretty good player.
0: All right, well, best of luck, Graven. Appreciate it. Right.
2: On the clock. Rolling right along here, Fran. It is now time to go on the clock. I hope that you are ready because I have some prayer I have prepared some absolutely outstanding questions for you in today's edition for On the Clock. First one up, Fran, over-under. We're going to go all over-under today. All right, this is great. Over-under, two-and-a-half QBs taken in the first 13 picks of the NFL draft. Of course, we go with 13 because that's where the Eagles pick. So by the time the Eagles are off the board, hypothetically, at number 13, two-and-a-half quarterbacks off the board, over-under. This, this
0: is a big question if you're an Eagles fan because you're wondering, and I, we've gotten a lot of questions this week about Carson Wentz. Is he going to be there at 13? Would Jared Goff or Paxton Lynch be the guy? If you, if you are a Carson Wentz fan, you need to root for this number to be over. You need to root for some of these other quarterbacks to go in this top area because if you look at the first 13 picks – and who needs a quarterback? And we don't know that the Eagles are going to need one. If they sure. re-sign Sam Bradford to a big deal, of course. I think it's very, very unlikely that they will draft a quarterback at 13. But you look at Tennessee, obviously don't need one. Nope. Cleveland's going to be in the quarterback market, for so sure. you count them as a team. Uh, San Diego, probably not. Dallas, looks like they could potentially be in the, in the it's market the a Possibility, a and of course they do.
2: They are. Their coaching staff is coaching the North team, so they've seen Carson Wentz all week long.
0: Absolutely. So Jacksonville, no. Baltimore, no. San Francisco potentially could be in the quarterback market. So potentially three. I don't know if Miami, you know, maybe they got a new coaching staff. How sold are they going to be on Ryan Tannehill? Nine is Tampa Bay. Ten is New York. Uh, Eleven is Chicago. Potentially. You'll see how they feel about Jay Cutler. Again, it's a new offensive staff there. How are they going to feel about Jay Cutler and his abilities? New Orleans Saints, no. So you've got at least three, maybe four or five teams that are looking for a quarterback quarterback. But you know what? I'm going to go the under. I think it's a, I think there's a chance that one of those guys falls. Now, which one will it be? I don't know. It's me personally, I think I prefer Wentz and Lynch over Goff. That's just me. I, I, th- I, l- I like what Wentz can do. I think he's the most complete of all these quarterback pa- all these quarterback prospects and maybe the the most ready to play right now. Lynch is certainly has a high upside with his arm strength, his light feet. It uh, definitely has the upside to to be a very, very good player. Goff, I think, needs a lot of work, I mean, relatively speaking. I, I just don't know that he's going to be that high of a pick.
2: Yeah, the quarterback position is always one of the most, if not the single most talked about positions here at the Senior Bowl. Um, and, you know, you've I've heard some people saying, you know, whether it's on Twitter or wherever it is, that there, there's no, you know, there's no Marcus Mariotas and there's no Jameis Winston's in this draft, so maybe teams will be less likely to reach for a quarterback sure. early uh, if they don't think that there's a superstar at the top of the list, and they can maybe get a guy in the later rounds who they think could be just as good, if not better. But even with all of that said, I'm still going to take the over. I think three quarterbacks will go off the board in the first 13 picks. Uh, Carson Wentz, Jared Goff, and Paxton Lynch. I I don't don't know what order they're going to go in, Yeah, um, and I don't know who's going to take them, but I do think that three QBs will go off the board in the top 13 picks. Yeah, and I think that's uh, perfectly – you could have swung me either way with that. All right, next question here deals with the wide receivers that we're seeing here in Mobile. Braxton Miller, Aaron Burbridge, Sterling Shepard. Fran, over under one half of them making it to the (laughs) third round. So in other words, so will any of them, will any of make, them it make it to it. the
0: third round? If you had asked me a week ago, if you had asked me two days ago, I would have told you Braxton Miller probably would have fell to the third round. He's starting to win me, and I didn't. It's not like I didn't like him, but I thought that you know he obviously still needs a lot of refinement. We just got done talking about it in a couple segments ago. I don't know, man. I I think he's proven to be one of the best receivers here. I, th- I think Sterling Shepherd will probably go in the second round. I still think one of them will fall. It could be Burbridge. Miller still could go. I'll take the over, though. I would be willing to bet that one of those guys, because there's only, there's only so many wide receivers that are going to go that high. And you look right. at the, the other receivers, you look at some of the, the juniors, who obviously we're not counting in Josh Doxon, who's not here now because of the injury. But you talk about Tyler Boyd and Corey Coleman and Lacron Treadwell. Uh, Rashard Higgins from Colorado State, I think, is flying under the radar. Michael Thomas from Ohio State. A lot of players here uh, that could potentially go that high. I'll take the over on one of these guys falling to the third round.
2: I'm going to take the under just to disagree with you for one thing, but also because I just think that all three of these guys have really shown what they could do here. I like each and every one of them, and I would definitely not be opposed to seeing any of them in an Eagles uniform next season. Uh, Miller has just really stood out. Burbridge is just as consistent as you'll see. Yep. And Sterling Shepard made a really, really nice catch. Me and you were yes. both watching it during 7-on-7 seven seven today. I believe it was Jake Coker, the quarterback from Alabama, who threw it. Uh, and he just kind of hit him in stride, but Shepard had to reach out at the last second, and he just plucked it out of the air. Uh, I really like all three of these wide receivers, and I know you've mentioned some of the other names who you know are going to be in the mix at the wide receiver position, but I think these three guys are really, really good. So I'm going to take the under That's and say fair. that none of them make it to the third round. Uh, if you had to rank them right now, one, two, three, huh. in the order they're going to go in, what would you put them in?
0: Oof. Man, it's tough. You know, here's why it's tough. It's tough because they play slightly different positions. Burbridge isn't going to be used the same way as Shepard and Miller will be. Burbridge isn't a great athlete, man, and the combine I think will be important for him because if he goes there and does not test well, I think some people will be alarmed by that. I think that he's a deceptive athlete, but he's not an explosive, twitchy kid, so I think that that will be uh, an important thing to watch. I had to rank them right now on guys that I'd want. And, again, you're taking – they're slightly different in terms of skill sets. I take Shepherd. I think I take Shepherd one, maybe Burbridge two, and then Miller three. Ooh, and I thought th- you're you were going to go with the same order that I, know. I had. I, I, it, which would be
2: Shepherd, Miller, Miller Burbridge. Burbridge. I, it's,
0: it's close. It's, it's very close. close.
2: But that's what – you know what? That's what the Senior Bulls for. That's what the Combine's for. That's what all these evaluations are for. Uh, so we'll see how it all shakes out. Uh, It's one of the exciting things about this draft process. All right, next one up. Fran, uh, now we're moving to the running back position. Over, under, one half of a running back taken by the Eagles in the draft. So, in other words, will the Eagles draft one running back in this year's draft?
0: I'll take the under. You know, I think that there's a lot of other areas of need. Obviously, we know what the Eagles have at the running back position right now with DeMarco Murray, with Ryan Matthews, with Darren Sproles. There's an issue with in terms of durability with 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 two of those guys. Obviously, Darren Sproles is getting up there. Could they draft one? Absolutely, and I, I wouldn't rule it out. But I'll, I'll I'll take my chances and take the
2: under. I'm going to agree with you this time, Fran. I'm going to take the under as well. Um, and we've seen some really talented running backs down here. Kenneth Dixon, Tyler Irvin from San Jose yeah. State has been really impressive. We saw uh, we even saw a couple of nice looking prospects at the Shrine Game last week. But uh, I think the Eagles. I don't think they're completely set at the running right. back group right now, but I think that with those three guys, uh, Murray, Sproles, and Matthews, that I think they're pretty comfortable with how that looks right now. Uh, and even Kenyon Barner, a guy who, who's shown that he can do some things here or there. So do they bring in a guy as an undrafted rookie or you know, uh, bring in a different running back down the line? Probably, but I don't think the Eagles are going to draft running back yeah. in this year's draft. I,
0: I'm not turning down Tyler Irvin on day three. Okay, well, if Tyler Irvin's so, still well, there, Sure. Sure. I'm just I'm just throwing it out there. Hey, he's small. He could fall that far. What about Kenneth, Kenneth well, Dixon well, in Kenneth round Th- three? I mean, if, I, if Kenneth Dixon's there in round three, I I, I might pull the trigger there because I love Kenneth <laughs> Dixon. So All that's right. an unfair uh, question.
2: Next question here again relates back to the Eagles. Uh, Fran, in recent years, the Eagles have been known to take uh, a good amount of the players that they see here in the Senior Bowl. So over under three and a half Senior Bowl players, Drafted by the Eagles this year, they took three players last year out of just their six draft picks. So over under three and a half from this year's group.
0: I'm going to take the over. You know, I think that overall, they, I think they're going to have a lot of picks. Yeah, they have nine picks right now. They have nine picks right now. They've always shown a propensity to selecting these senior ball players, I'm going to take the over. And that means, you know, you're talking, that's why this is so important. Everyone says, oh, you know, it's a senior ball. like some of the best players drop out. No, but there's going to be a handful of these guys that are going to be on this team next year. Uh, there's, no, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And I, I think that uh, I'll definitely take the over and feel pretty confident with it.
2: Yeah, I'm going to take the over as well, really for all the reasons that you just said. Uh, and also because I think that this is just a really, really talented senior bull group that we have here. There aren't really any players at all where you look out at them and you know, from the stands and you say, oh, that guy's completely overmatched. What's he doing here? He doesn't deserve to be here. These are really, really good players. These are probably the top players uh, or most of the top uh, senior players, of course, uh, who will be available in this year's draft. So I just think this group is too good, and when you have nine picks, I think that the, the odds are pretty favorable that at least four of them will be senior bowl players. So I'm going to take the over as well. Uh, All right, Fran, our last question here. uh, Let's look again, looking at the Eagles draft picks. We mentioned that they have nine picks. But as of right now, they don't have a second round pick. That, of course, was traded to the St. Louis, now the Los Angeles Rams, in the Sam Bradford trade. But you never know how things work out. So, Fran, over under one half of a second round draft pick for the Eagles this year, a.k.a. will they trade into the second round some way, somehow?
0: I mean, chalk answer is no. Because obviously you're, now you're you're counting on them making a pretty substantial trade. Now you're you're selecting, I'm, I'm assuming you're selecting 13th overall in the third round or somewhere in that range. It could be 11th or 12th. I have to look and see what what Plus you that have over. the
2: Lions pick as well. Sure. So that's.
0: Could make a trade and try and move up. And we know that. Uh, Howie Roseman has always been a fan of moving up and down in the draft and and there's always been some movement there. He's always done a really good job of being creative in those areas. I'll still take the under.
2: Uh, Again, I'm going to agree with you here. I'm going to take the under as well. Even though they have those nine picks that we mentioned uh, and even though you mentioned how Howie Roseman loves to kind of wheel and deal on draft day and move up and move around and get to the players that he wants, it's just going to be so tough to, to move back into that second round. And I know you know it's going to be really tempting with all the talent that they have there. And I'm sure they're going to try. I think they're going to you know use whatever options that they can to try to get back into that second round. Uh, but the, at the end of the day, I think the cost would just be a little bit too much. So I'm going to take the under as well. Uh, okay, so that'll wrap things up for On the Clock. We're moving right along here. and I think it's time for our final segment of today's Journey to the Draft podcast. So let's dig into our draft mailbag.
1: Now it's time to hear from you, the fans, in the draft mailbag.
2: All right, thank you to everyone who uh, sent in questions today. We have a a good list of questions, and uh, again, we want to thank everyone for listening, Uh, whether you download through iTunes, Stitcher, or however it is that you listen to your Eagles podcast. Be sure to rate, comment, subscribe, tell us what you like and what you don't like. All right, Fran, our first draft mailbag question here comes from Angel, who wants to know, what do you think of Cyrus Jones as an NFL corner? Just to me personally, I think Jones has shown himself pretty well. He also shows he can do some good things in special teams as a returner. Uh, But you've watched him a little bit more than I have, a a lot more than I have, actually. So what do you think of Cyrus Jones as a corner at the next level?
0: Yeah, I think that Jones offers a lot of ability. And, And coming out of last year, his junior season, I was a little bit worried about his athleticism. And then I found out actually after I watched him, he played it for a majority of the season his junior year with a sports hernia surgery and then, and after he got the surgery in the offseason, got healed up, he's a former wide receiver, shows the ability to play the ball in the air. I think that he's a, a pretty deceptive athlete, shows the return ability. I think he's a really competitive corner, I think he's a good run defender, does a lot of the little things well as you would expect from a Nick Saban coach defensive back. My question with him even though that he's the former wide receiver and he does show the ability to catch the ball when it's thrown to him, I always had that that issue. And this is something that I always try to pick up on as I watch a corner more and more and more. And you really, you might need to watch seven, eight games worth of a guy to really get a good sense of how well he does this. And that's playing the ball in the air down the field. You know, when you have to turn your back to the quarterback, get your eyes on the receiver, and then turn and find the ball late and make a play on the football, get it on the ground or finish for the interception... That's a natural thing, and it's something that you want to be able to see those corners do. I wasn't sure if Cyrus Jones was that kind of a guy. Now, again, I want to continue to watch more. He's a little bit undersized. I think he's more of an off-coverage guy as opposed to a press coverage guy. I don't know if he's going to be a fit for everybody. Certainly shows the ability to potentially play in the slot as well. I I like Cyrus Jones. I'm excited to continue to watch more of him because I think
2: he offers a lot of value. Next question here comes from Bid the Kid, who says, "I believe that the Eagles have a few extra picks in rounds four and on. So, what guys could be potential steals in the later rounds for us? Uh, and again, the Eagles do have nine draft picks. They have two fifth rounders and two seventh rounders. So, Fran, who could be some guys in that five to seven round area who could be potential steals? Maybe some guys that we're seeing down here in Mobile."
0: Yeah, you know, I think if you look, and we'll we'll just kind of go position by position here that are down here. I think at the at the quarterback position, I think Jay Coker's had a pretty solid week. I would he's, agree. He's missed a couple throws here and there, certainly, but I think that he's had a pretty solid week. And I've always been a fan of what he can be. I know he's not perfect, but I've always been a fan of his talent. He's and, a big and that's kid throws because a well. Because
2: I've just watching him on TV, I was never really a big fan yeah. of him. I thought you know he was okay, he was pretty good, but wins the national title. He comes down here and he's impressed me in what I've seen from him in two days. Sure, absolutely. And it, you talk about the running back position, I. Tyler Irvin's
0: a guy that's really, really impressive. Yep. He's a sub five ten. He was listed at one seventy seven coming down here, really, really light. Ended up weighing in at one ninety two. So maybe that'll help his cause a little bit, really quick. Offers the ability to make some plays out of the backfield as a receiver, as well as a re- as a returner. I think he offers great versatility. He's a guy that would excite me on day three at the wide receiver position. You know, I think that there are some interesting guys. The one guy that I'll talk about though, Sharon Peak from Clemson. Absolutely. He's six, six two and a quarter, two hundred eight pounds. Wasn't a featured player in that Clemson offense. Made some plays, obviously, especially with Mike Williams, uh, who is going to be one of the best receivers next year's draft, out for the season. But Peek is a guy who's got got solid size. He's got solid speed. I think he catches the ball pretty well. He flashes the ability to be a good route runner. Does a lot of things well. Can he do it consistently? And He's an interesting guy that I think he could take a flyer on. At the tight end spot. I really like this, the Iowa kid, Henry Krieger-Kobel. I was talking to Tony Pauline earlier about him today. He doesn't know if he's going to get drafted. He might be a borderline draft pick. I, I like him. I think he's one of the better senior tight ends available. I think that's why he's down here. But uh, he's the guy that really intrigues me. He's got good movement. He gives good effort as a blocker. We talked all week about this offensive line class and how there's a really good depth and I think that there's good value in the later rounds you know so you might be able to get a Graham Glasgow to come in and play Mm -hmm. guard and potentially start for you uh, in the later rounds you might be able to get a Chris Westerman who's a guard from Arizona State to come in and start for you early Evan Baim, can he fall into day three and play potentially center or guard I think there's a really good amount of talented players at the offensive line spot that bodes well for Eagles fans as you know a lot of them are very very interested in offensive line help throughout the course of the draft. And you look at the defensive line, will Carl Nassim fall that far? I, th- that, I think that'll be an interesting question to follow. Will Matt Ioannidis fall down there? Charles Tapper is not getting a ton of love nationally. I love the kid. I yeah. think he's a, you know, a, a day-two talent. Will he go that far? It'll be very, very interesting. At linebacker, I like the Josh Forrest kid from Kentucky. He's big, he's physical, he's instinctive, he comes downhill. So there's some interesting prospects there in terms of Josh Forrest from Kentucky. Harlan Miller, the corner from southeast Louisiana, another small school guy we haven't necessarily talked about yet. And then at safety, Kevin Byard is a big hitter. I think he, you know, he's a, he's definitely a strong safety type, but I think he shows to be functional in the back end in terms of his ball skills, especially. I thought he played the ball really, really well in the air. So uh, those are, if we're gonna just pick some possible day three steals across the board, position by position, those would be the guys I talk about.
2: Next question here comes from James Madsen, who is uh, pretty obviously a Mizzou Tigers fan, uh, as he wants to know about Evan Bame and Kentrell Brothers compared to their peers. How what have you seen from those two players? Hey, here,
0: Kentrell Brothers is walking by now, and he's he's waving at us, pointing and saying, "Hey, hey, let's go Mizzou!" So there you go, Jason. That's all. That's all for you, but. Uh, Kenshaw brothers that look he, he's a big physical kid was one of the most productive linebackers in the entire country this year uh, he measured in let me look at what his measurables were uh, they were bigger than I thought that they would be he came in over six foot 249 pounds uh, definitely a guy who's got that in the box ability and a really impressive player and But now you're looking at how does he compare to, to Josh Forrest? How does he compare to Tyler Maticiewicz? How does he compare to Dion Jones? I think they're slightly different players, but you talk about some of those big in-the-box type linebackers. I think Brothers is very comparable with a lot of players there. As far as Evan Bame on the offensive line, I think Bame is is the best center here. He's one of my favorite interior alignment in the draft I think he's the best center here. I I think he's the best center here. And I I was a a big fan of his game coming into the week. So I'm a big fan of Evan Baim.
2: Uh, so uh, there you have it a couple uh, Mizzou Tigers as again Kentrell Brothers walks by us and gives <laughs> us a thumbs up as we're talking about it but that's that's the great part about being here we're in the players hotel and they're going off they're having you know informal informal interviews with all the different teams we're just walking around mingling it's one of the cool parts about being down here we also just had Tyler Maticiewicz from Temple who was on the phone walking back and forth so I'm surprised Fran didn't get up I go, didn't go even say see hi them. him so there you go uh, I'm in so the zone Absolutely. Wired in here uh, uh, on the Journey to the Draft podcast. All right, our last question here. This one comes from Dylan Roach. Uh, How has Dak Prescott looked so far, and how much space is between him and Carson Wentz in your eyes? So how much, you know, where is Prescott at right now compared to the other quarterbacks that we're looking at down here? Uh,
0: I think there's a pretty big gap between he and Carson Wentz. And I actually made the comment to you, we were watching those quarterbacks on the North squad, and I know uh, that – Dak Prescott's playing for the South, but watching the quarterbacks in the North, you could tell, I mean, there was a noticeable difference between the way he threw the ball and the other three guys on that team, and uh, it's certainly a guy that I'm very, very impressed with, and Prescott, I think, is a a nice player. I think he's a solid prospect, a lot still that he needs to improve on, especially working within the pocket under pressure. I think that's not an area that he's going to improve on here necessarily in practice maybe we'll be able to see it a little bit in the game but uh, certainly a guy that's got the arm he's got the athleticism he may he has flashes and he showed some moments throughout his career but not a guy that consistently has shown the ability to win from the pocket so far and I think that's an area where he'll look to improve on moving forward
2: well, that will just about wrap things up for this edition of the Journey to the Draft podcast presented by AAA. Uh, thank you for all the fans who submitted their questions to us, and thank you to all the listeners out there. And, again, whether it's on iTunes, Stitcher, uh, or if you go to PhiladelphiaEagles.com, however it is that you listen to your Eagles podcast, be sure to rate, comment, subscribe. Let us know what you like and what you didn't like. So I think we'll sign off here for from day two from Mobile for Fran Duffy. I'm Alex Smith. We'll talk to you guys again tomorrow.